I like that. Just walk till you hit the wall. Can you hear me? Check, check. All right. So, and then when you get to the wall, just walk right through it. Oh, yeah. Sign up before you walk through it. Okay. Can you hear me yet? I don't feel like I'm on yet. I'm on here, but it's not working, is it? So, I don't know. Is it working? Check, check. Can you hear me? All right, well, I'll get started. There it goes. I hear it now. Um, well, I'm glad to be back. Uh, my family was gone last weekend. We were down in uh, Ohio uh, cheering on my daughter, and we had a good time. There's family, and she did a great job, and so I, I had a chance to see her and be with her, so that's always awesome. But today I want to start a new series with you, and I don't even know what it's called yet. Uh, and so we're just doing the introduction, but we are going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And something that God has really uh, been putting on my heart lately is it's kind of like um, a radio station, and it's uh, it's on, but you can barely hear it, and you but you can turn it up, right? You can turn it up. Or uh, we have this uh, massage tool that has three different levels. You know, you can have level one, or you can go to level two, or level three, and it turns it up like it intensifies. And God wants to intensify his spirit in your life. He wants to tune, turn that up, turn up the volume of his voice, turn up the volume or the intensity of his power, uh, because he made us to be full of his spirit and overflowing with his spirit. Can I get an amen from you? So uh, I, I, I really feel uh, just a real strong uh, prodding of God for our church to just be tuned up, turned up, fired up with the Holy Spirit. We need the overflow of His ministry in our lives. And like, this is what it's all about. Andrew's getting up here talking about his life and, and how, um, you know, the Word of God and how this, uh, this fellowship of men together with the Word of God and the Spirit of God in the midst of all that is changing his life. That's what this is about. This is not about us just coming to church and, you know, putting time in and trying to be good people and do the right things. This is about our lives being transformed so, so that also through our lives, others can be transformed. So I love about that verse he was sharing with us in Psalm 51. At the end of that, after God does his work in me, God, after you created me a clean heart and you renew our steadfast spirit within me and, you, and you, you don't take your Holy Spirit away from me, but you do something in me, then I also will turn and teach others how to know you, how to follow you. I'll teach transgressors your ways, God, because you have done it in me. Can I get an amen? amen. You see, so we, we only exist to be the carriers of God's presence on the earth. That's who we are. That's who the church is. And so I'm getting excited. I'm getting ahead of myself. But today is uh, an introduction, and I thought we would celebrate today 10 things that has happened uh, when we got saved. Now, if you're not saved, i got great news for you. Today, you can be saved. If you don't know what that means, uh, let me go through it real quick with you, okay? What is salvation? And uh, I'm just going to ask and answer a whole bunch of really tiny questions about this. It's very simple. And uh, these aren't the perfect answers, but it'll give you a, a pretty good idea of what this is all about. First of all, uh, who am I? Well, you are a human being that's been created in the image of God. You've been created by God, and you've been created to know Him. What is your purpose? Uh, our church puts it this way, to know Him and to make Him known. But I'd like to put it another way for you. Your purpose is to actually experience the love of God, to be loved. I wouldn't have given you that answer 20 years ago. I would have said, your purpose is to do for God. But I, I've changed. You know, God's helped me grow up and show me that my purpose is to experience the love of God. That God loves me. And if you experience the love of God, then all of a sudden the love of God begins to flow through you. And you're a totally different person. Because God has wrecked your life with love. Just swallowed you up. It eliminated these insecurities and these fears and all the other stuff that comes with a fallen world. So who am I? You are a human being created in God's image. Your purpose is to be loved by God and then to love, to love him as a response. So what's your problem? What's my problem? Well, we were born into sin. 
That's our problem. Uh, our sin alienated ourselves from God. The Bible tells us that sin entered the world. We chose to leave God, and when we did that, we were separated from Him. So what is sin? This is the way I look at sin. When I've studied the Hebrew, um, it's all in terms of uh, archery terms. That's what these words are coming from. Like, you know, if you have a discipline of computers and you have certain computer terms, you know, that jargon. Or if you're, uh, you know, you, we have Christian jargon. You have maybe in your own area of expertise, you have certain words that you know what, what they mean. Well, these words are coming from uh, archery. And to, to the sin means to shoot at a target, like a bullseye, and to miss. That's exactly what that word means. Sin is to miss the target or to fall short of the target. Paul put it this way in Romans. He said, we've all sinned and fallen short of the target. And the target is the glory of God. We've all fallen short. We shot an arrow and it came up short. Okay? Uh, and so sin is missing the target. So your next question should be, well, what's the target? The target is we were created by an awesome, loving, perfect, righteous God who created us to experience life to the full. So the target is in God, in God, there's this perfect experience of life and love and fullness and wholeness and the best of everything. That's the target. And anytime we go outside of God or his ways, we miss the target. And if the target is life to the full, what's missing the target? Death. That's it. The easiest and, and most simple way I've ever thought of explaining this concept is to think of me, myself, as a human being and, and, and maybe one of my uh, appliances like a refrigerator. And I've given this example before. This refrigerator only functions when it's plugged into electricity. You can open the door and a light comes on, okay? Right, but you unplug the refrigerator. Your icebox won't be cold any longer, right? Your milk will spoil, and you open the door and the light's not on. You, you, you track it with me? Human being, the light's not on if we are cut off from our source, and our source is God. He is our source. He is the one through whom we live, and without him we have no life. We look like we're alive, we're still walking and talking and breathing, but the light's not on on the inside. Our spirit is dead. We are dead men walking. We are empty. We are not with the life of God. And so um, the result of sin is that experience of being dead, of being separated from God. We cannot function. We cannot function the way that God created us to function without his presence. And so the whole idea of Christianity that really bothers me is it's gotten a bad rap. Like it's some set of rules that we're supposed to follow. It's not. It's life. It is the opportunity to come alive again. To be alive. To know God and to be in a relationship with Him. It's not about the rules. The rules take care of themselves. When you fall in love with God, He inspires us to follow Him because it's life. It's better. It's perfect. And so that's what salvation is. Salvation is only possible if someone could free you from your sin and pay for the debt of sin that you owe. And the debt of sin, the Bible says, is death. And the only way for you to be saved is if somebody could pay that debt for you or if you could pay it for yourself. But you can't pay it for yourself. You owe that. You owe that. And so Jesus, this is the good news of, 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 our, of our faith, came, God came to pay that debt for us. So he willingly lived his life without sin. Therefore, he did not owe that penalty, right? And he laid his life down, and he gave his life. He shed his blood and paid your penalty of sin. He paid the penalty of sin for everybody in the world and in the history of the world that are dead and are alive and will be born. He paid for all of the sin of the world. It's already paid for. There's just a whole lot of people that don't know it right now. And as soon as you know it, you have a choice to either believe and put your trust in what he did or reject it and keep trying to live your life on your own. Those are your choices. And, and to, to be passive about it is to actually make a choice of rejection. 
you either believe and trust in Christ for the salvation of your soul, or you reject that and, and continue to live independent or alienated from God. So salvation is when a person places their trust in Christ as their Lord and their Savior. The Bible says when you do that, you are saved. Saved from what? Saved from death. You enter into eternal life in a relationship with God. You're reconciled to God. And that's what our church believes. Uh, and that's my, been my experience and I know many here, that's your experience too. So today we're going to celebrate our salvation. We're going to celebrate what happened when you did that. When I did it, I was six years old. And I had no idea of a whole bunch of stuff that I would, would learn later what I was doing. All I knew was at that time, God was speaking to my heart through a pastor. And when he was telling me what Jesus did for me, inside I knew God was talking to me. And I felt his love. And I, I was like, this is what I've been looking for. And I'm only six years old. I laugh about it now. But I still remember what I was, I was like, this is what I've been looking for. Finally, someone told me. There was an inner longing to know God. There was an inner awareness that there was something that I, I needed from God. And when I heard about Jesus inside, immediately I knew that was right. And I believed. And I prayed a prayer. But what was happening was I was being saved. I was putting my trust in God, in Jesus I prayed something, something like, and I don't remember, but, you know, the pastor's leading me, so he would say, repeat after me or something. And I know I did something like, Jesus, I know I've sinned, and I'm sorry for my sin, and I know I need you, and I surrender my life to you. Would you please come into my heart? Would you be my Lord? Would you be my Savior? I trust in you. And, you know, amen. Something like that. It wasn't the prayer that saved me. It was my trusting, my turning of my heart over to God that said, I need you, God. And I, and, I, and I know that I, I need you. And I was saved, but what happened? And today I want to celebrate with you 10 things that happened when you did that. And if you haven't done that, today is a great day to get saved. Saved from death, rescued out of darkness, grafted back into the family of God, into relationship with him. This is not about a religion. This is about life or death. Life or death. So let's celebrate this, and what we're doing is we're laying a foundation for a series on the Holy Spirit. But I want to make sure that we are all on the same page about what has already happened and why we need the Holy Spirit for the things that didn't happen yet. That's where we're going. Okay, you guys ready? I want to pray for us. Lord, as we look at your scriptures and your word today, I ask, Lord, that you help our brains change uh, where they need a change, and that we will be actively engaging with your voice this morning, and that you will transform us with truth. You will give us something, Lord, that will set us free and help us to be more like you when we walk out of this place this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, my sins are forgiven. Woo! This is what happened to me when I got saved. My sins are forgiven. And you know what? I didn't know for 30 years that that meant all of my sins. I didn't know that. I was six, and it took me 30 years to figure out, oh my word, he actually meant what he said. All of my sins are forgiven. And I was set free from a spirit of condemnation and, and that heaviness of not living up to my own standards, which I thought were important. But I am made righteous forever. Would you say that with me? I and made righteous forever. There is nothing more I or you can do to be any more forgiven or righteous in the eyes of God. There's nothing more that you need to do to be more righteous. You need to believe and receive the sacrifice that was done on your behalf. When you believe and receive and put your full confidence in Jesus as the one who has cleansed you and forgiven you, then you know what happens? Sin begins to fall off of you. It begins to have no place to stick to you anymore. Because when it's on you, and when you think it's my job to, to stop sinning, it's my job to get my act together, and I got to change this, and I got to change that, all of the pressure, all the insecurities, all the fears, all that stuff begins to let sin start attaching itself to you. 
And, but when you say, it's not my job, my trust is in Jesus. Jesus, I love you. You have forgiven me. It's over. It's done. You have a totally different identity, and that causes change to happen from the core on the outside, and stuff just starts not sticking. Have you ever had something that doesn't stick? You ever had you know, things that you're trying to get to stay and won't stick? It's like you got that Teflon or something on you. Let's just take a Teflon bath. Sin can't stick. Labels can't stick. People say curse words and they don't stick. They say, no, I'm a Teflon, whatever, you know, child of God. I've been bathed in the blood of Jesus. It's like a Teflon coating. That stuff doesn't, those labels don't stick anymore. If I know who I am in Christ, and I know this, I am forgiven of all my sins. You may look at me and say, yeah, but pastor, you know, I could still see some some sin in your life. I could still see some faults here and there. And I remember when you said this, and, you know, and, I, and I heard you, well, yeah, but that's not who I am, and I am forgiven of my sins. So are you. Even though you're not perfect yet on the outside, you are perfect before the eyes of God. And this is what I say all the time. I wonder if I have it written down. Yeah, I think I, I don't know if this is in your notes or not. I hope it is, but not only are my sins forgiven, but they are bleached, think about that, as white as snow. My sins have been, your sins have been bleached white. They've been removed. They've been buried. And God has chosen to forget them altogether. Wow. All right, so here's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verses 10 to 18. And by that will, uh, the will of God, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 11, day after day every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. This was in the past. This is how they try to deal with sin. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, his life, he sat down at the right hand of God, signaling that it was over, right? And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Verse 14. This is a really important verse. For by one sacrifice, Jesus has made perfect forever. Everybody say perfect forever. Those who are being made holy. All right. So we have been made perfect forever. Now this is, uh, these terms, these words that are being used are words that define what the word righteousness means. Righteousness means 100% perfect or not. There's no 89% here, no 73%, no passing grade. 59% fail, 60% passing. There, I tipped the scales. I made the righteousness grade. Woo! Pass the class. I get into heaven. No, it doesn't work that way. It has nothing to do with your performance at all. It is you're either righteous, 100%, or you're not at all, zero. And anybody who is depending on their own, their own effort to be righteous is zero. Zero. I don't care how good you are compared to everybody else. If it's trusting in your own works and your own performance, your grade is zero. Zero. And the, the dirtiest among us, right, the, the most scandalous sinner among us, who in a moment decides, I'm going to give my whole life to God, I'm going to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. They are 100%. That's not fair. It's not fair, pastor. I'm working really hard to be a good person. Well, good job. I did that too for 30 years, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's not what it's about. It's about trusting in God. If you trust in God, you won't have to work so hard. God will do the work, you see? It's, to, it's a totally backward system. I know. It's crazy. But Jesus never said it was going to be fair. His grace, his love, his mercy is towards all of us. But when we accept it, he is then allowed to be God in us. And he then can begin to mold us the way he created us to be. You see what I'm saying? Can I get an amen on that? So you are forgiven. My sins are forgiven. Number two, my spirit is born again. When I, uh, at six years old, uh, had that prayer and I was saved, my spirit, my light came on. My light came on. I was plugged in to God. My spirit was born again. 
uh, in the Garden of Eden when, when God said to Adam and Eve, if you sin, if you eat of this tree, the knowledge of good and evil, on that day you do that, you will die. They ate, they're still walking. And I was like, they didn't die. Yes, they did die. Not, not their outward man shell, their spirit died. We are body, soul, and spirit, and their spirit died. Just like I said, a lot of people right now are walking around. They look like they're alive, but there's no light on the inside. Their spirit is dead. Here's the problem. We are spirit. We are not a body. We have a body, but we are spirit. This is an eternal issue going on here. When our spirit's dead, we are, we are in big trouble. That's death. That's eternal death. Eternal separation from God. We are a spirit, and our spirit must be born again. Jesus is the one who gave us this theology, okay? I was talking to some religious people, a person, Nicodemus. He says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be, you were born of the, of the water, which means, you know, born natural birth. But now you must be born of the spirit. Your spirit man is dead. You must be born again. What does that mean, Pastor? It means that you, you come to God and you now have a relationship with Him. And your spirit comes alive. Your spirit comes alive. And that is what's happened for you. If you got saved, your spirit is alive. Now God can speak to you. You can hear Him better. He's in you. I have fellowship with God. You have fellowship with God. It says here in Ephesians 2.4, But because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. The grace of God has saved you, and he has made you alive in Christ. Isn't that awesome? All right, number three. What happened when I, I became saved in you? I am, as a result of being saved, I am sealed with the Holy Spirit. I love this uh, the scripture here, Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14 says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of our salvation. And when you believed, when you were saved, this is what happened, you were marked in him with a seal, with the Holy Spirit, who is, who is a deposit in your life, guaranteeing all of the promises of God would be fulfilled in you. And so this is how I look at it. When I was a kid, and I told this story once before, I used to write my name on my ball glove. And this is a writing your name on kind of wording. So God writes his name on you. When you were saved, God wrote his name on you. Mine. <laughs> the Lord's stamp. Every, every Sunday when we close our service and I bless you, I, uh, I'm doing what God said to do. He says, put my name on the people. That's what he said to Moses to tell the priest to do for the people. Put my name on the people and I will bless them. And so we say, and now may the Lord, the name of the Lord, that's, that's God's name. Now may the Lord bless you and, and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon, or lift up his, uh, countenance upon you and give you his, his peace. And so three times the priests were saying, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. And God said, so you will put my name on the people. This is the next verse in Numbers chapter 6. So you will put my name on the people, and I will bless them. They belong to me. Those are my people. And you were sealed. You were marked. His name was written on you. In the heavenly realms, you may not see it, but if we could have a spiritual black lamp right now turn on, you'd all see Yahweh stamped on your crown right there. You'd all say, you'd, you'd be stamped on you somewhere, all over you. And in the spiritual realm, even though you don't see it or always perceive it, you are walking under the Lord's protection and favor and grace. You are marked with the Holy Spirit. The devil knows you belong to God. It's very obvious and, and evident in the spirit realm. Can I get a witness to that? You belong to him. When you walk into a room, you see people and chairs and windows and doors. But in the spirit realm, when you walk into the room, the Lord's presence walks into the room. And other spirits in that room take notice. This kind of stuff is happening all the time in the, in the spirit realm. And the authority of God comes into the room when you walk into the room. And if you're walking in the spirit, then you will be more aware of those types of things and you'll be more you know, uh, compliant with the, with the spirit's will in those moments to do whatever needs to be done, to extend the kingdom of God, 
to bring freedom, to bring hope, to bring light into that setting, into your work environment, into your school, into your classroom, wherever you go. You belong to the Lord. That's pretty exciting. And I put it this way. You're in the firm grip of God. Because a lot of people think, oh, no, did I do something that I lost my salvation? You know, because I've had a bad attitude for a season. Or I just didn't go to church for a while. Or I, I strayed from God. You know, did I lose my salvation? Has God given up on me? Has God turned his back on me? No! He hasn't. You have been marked. You belong to him. If you're a cattle and you've been branded and you had a bad day and you jumped a fence and took off into the woods, you know, doesn't erase your, who you belong to. God's going to get you back. You belong to him. You're in the firm grip of God. You're in the firm grip of God. So live like it. You belong to him. You're in the family of God. It's like, you know, you grab hands like this and then we let go. Well, God doesn't let go. The Bible says, even when we are faithless, God is faithful. Oh, no, uh-uh. Are you going to do that with your little child when you're walking in a busy, you know, uh, street corner and there's cars around, you grab their hand and they try to let go? Have you ever had a child try to let go? I want to go, I want to go. Wanna... Are you letting go? No. You're like this and they're like this. Let me go, let me go. You're like, uh-uh, You ain't going anywhere. I got you. You're in the firm grip of God. That's what that means. You've been marked. Be excited. God's got you. Okay? Another thing that's happened is when I got saved, when you got saved, I and you, we entered into a worldwide spiritual family. We were grafted into a spiritual family. All over this world, you have spiritual brothers and sisters. I've been to, I don't know, maybe 20 or so countries, somewhere around there. And everywhere I go, I have met brothers and sisters of different color, of different languages, and there's a witness. Always, when we find out we're Christians, there's an immediate kinship. We're brothers, we're sisters. Hey, we're, we're in this together. All over the world, you have brothers and sisters. And right here, you have spiritual brothers and sisters, and you belong to a family, and you have a role to play in this family and you had the resources available to you from your family. This is what happened. You didn't, I'm not a member here, Pastor. I didn't take your membership class yet or whatever. That's fine, but you have a membership in the family of God. The moment you gave your life to Christ, you were grafted into the body of Christ. You are no longer on your own. You might try to be on your own, but you're not supposed to be on your own. You are a part of a family. You need to get connected to your family. That is God's idea. It's not a church control, uh, you know, organizational chart thing to, to control you. That is God's plan. He made a family. You're in it. You've got to be in your family to get the provision that God has for you. Okay? Uh, the Bible says here, Galatians um, 3.26, So in Christ you are all children of God through faith. Um, it also says here in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We are all a part of this, this family, okay? Number five, when I got saved, I, uh, as a result of being saved, I gained access to freedom and healing from the effects of sin. In other words, I can pursue and begin to live an abundant life. Jesus said, for this reason I came, that you might have life and have it abundant. You might have life and have it to the full. He's not just talking eternal life. He's talking right now, that you might be empowered and that you might be set free from the negative effects of sin and you might have a pathway of being healed from that sin, set free from that sin, and your life can be delivered out of that darkness. And you can begin to walk in the target that God has had from the very beginning of your experience with him. This is amazing. Now, I put it very carefully in these words. I gain access to. But it's not automatic. But the possibilities are all there now. Because Jesus is Lord, I went to someone's house once and they had some demonic activity going on in their house. Cupboards were opening and shutting on their own. They were just spooked out. They were freaking out. They had all kinds of weird things going on. 
So they reached out to me as a pastor. Hey, would you, do you know anything about this like spirit stuff and all that? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> uh, would you come and like pray over my house? I said, I will, but let me, let me just tell you something first. I said, the first thing that needs to happen is that you need to be submitted to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because I am, and I walk in your house, well, spiritual, listen to me. But as soon as I walk out of that door, if you're not submitted to Christ, you have no authority or no power over those spirits of darkness. Hear what I'm saying? So it's just true. And, and, but as soon as you do, now you have access to freedom. But are you learning how to live in freedom? And it's a process. Because one of the things that didn't happen when I got saved, and one of the things that didn't happen when you got saved, was that our mind was completely renewed. That didn't happen. And that all of the, the things that I have experienced in my past, that they were all completely gone. Nope, that didn't happen either. Are my sins forgiven? Yeah. But uh, are the effects of those sins still around me? Yeah. I mean, what do you do? You're in prison. You're a Mike Benson. You get right with God. You cry. You give your life to Christ on the cement floor of a prison cell. And you say amen. And God changes your life and you're forgiven. And you're in the family. And all these things are awesome. And you look up and the bars are still there. Okay? So now we have to work this thing out. How do we get free? But the, you have gained access now to freedom. And so now, how do we do that? That's what this is all about. This is living life together, getting into the Word of God, getting in relationships together, and pursuing the freedom that God has for us. You see what I'm saying? So now I have the possibility of being free. Before, I didn't have the possibility of being free. Now I do, if I apply God's truth to my life. So this is awesome. 1 Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. How many of you believe this? By his wounds you have been healed. By his wounds you have been healed. Peter is quoting Isaiah chapter 53. By his wounds you have been healed. Okay, I'm going to teach you a couple things about this. And if we don't get any further, that's fine. This is very important. Isaiah chapter 53, uh, verse 4 to 6. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to break it down with you. This is very important. Because what we believe in this church is that the word of God is true. And we need to do the best we can with the help of the Holy Spirit to understand what the Word of God is saying. But then from that, we need to believe it. We need to believe it. So we are more loyal to the Word of God. And as the Holy Spirit helps us understand the Word of God, than we are to some doctrines or denominational beliefs. The problem in my world is I run into people who are more loyal to their denominational doctrines than they are to what the Word of God actually says. Do you hear what I'm saying? So they would say, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but um, they would say, well, I'm a Methodist, or I'm a Baptist. And I'm not picking on any of them, or, or I'm a non-denominationalist, or whatever. doesn't matter. That would, that would be their identity and where they are loyal to, and at times even more so than just, I am a disciple of Jesus. And this is what he teaches. And this is what I believe. Do you see what I'm saying? Uh, now the Bible says in the end times that there will be people who will, uh, there will be doctrines of demons and people will gather around speakers that will say what they want to hear, and they will, uh, on the outside, appear that they're pursuing godliness, but they will deny the power of God. They will deny the power of God. So do you want to be those people? No, me either. No, we don't want to deny the power of God. We want to be people who are seeking first his kingdom. Now, this is very important. This is what the Bible says. Isaiah 53, 4-6. This is a prophecy. This is uh, probably a thousand or so years before Jesus came. It's about him. Surely he, Jesus, took up our infirmities. When I was studying the Hebrew this week, it also 
would be words like illnesses, pains, griefs. The word here in the next word, and carried our sorrows or pains or suffering. The word for sorrows means physical, can be physical or mental pain. Physical pain or mental pain. Anguish. Could be loneliness. Could be depression. Uh, you know, could be um, uh, panic attack. Like, you know, mental, you know, mental things that we're going through. Could be rejection and the hurt that has been done to us emotionally by other people and by our own self. Could be stuff like shame that we deal with and condemnation. You guys tracking with me? So the Bible says, He took up our illnesses, our sicknesses, our diseases, our mental anguish, our sorrows, our pain, our grief. He took these things. Yet we thought the people seen what was happening thought God was basically punishing him. That's what this next line means. We considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted like he's getting what he deserves. He must have really sinned because look at how bad God's punishing him. That's what people were thinking. But he was not pierced for his sins. He did not suffer for his mistakes or his rebellion. He was not sick because of something he did. It says he was pierced for our transgressions. Transgression is you have a line and someone puts a sign that says do not cross the line. And we go, I'm crossing the line. Nobody tells me what to do. I'm my own man. I run my own life. I'm in charge. That's a transgression. God doesn't tell me what to do. I, I'm my own person. Okay, that's transgression. That's sin. Okay? He was pierced because of that in you and me. It says he was crushed for our iniquities. Iniquities is a bentness. It's growing up in a family of drunks and uh, the way that people handle their problems is turning to alcohol. And so you grow up in that environment and you're, it's modeled for you and it's a bentness in your family line and your legacy and it's passed on to you and you don't know how to handle problems except get drunk or get, you know, drinking. And so that's an iniquity. It's a bentness in your family line. And, uh, you know, you might not have had a whole lot of opportunities to come out differently. But there's so much pressure and so much culture and so much legacy and sin and iniquity. It's passed on to you that this is the only thing that you know to do until there's truth that comes to you. And so there's a bentness. And it's, it's like this. You ever see someone kind of crippled or hunched over walking like this? There's a bentness, there's an iniquity, there's something that's wrong, that's, that's crippling your life. And Jesus came to set you free from that too. It wasn't necessarily someone say, hey, don't cross that line, and you crossed it. It was just something that happened to you because of your, your context, but it's, it's breaking you. It's stealing from you. It's crippling you. It's an iniquity, it's a bentness. How many of you are glad that Jesus was crushed for those things too? So you could be straightened out. You can be set free. You don't have to walk down that line of sin anymore in your family line. You can be changed. And Andrew can set a new legacy of righteousness and life and fullness. Amen. Because that's not really the problem. But anyway, and it goes on to say, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Wow. Wow. So this is not just talking, and this is what, this is what, uh, this is, this is, in a lot of churches, salvation means to be forgiven of sins, and we stop there. One of the reasons I'm giving this message to you is to show you that's not all salvation is about, is you're not just forgiven of your sins. We are not going to be a church that walks in sickness and bondage and iniquities without hope without power, without healing. We are not going to do that. We believe in the whole gospel, the whole counsel of God, the whole gospel, where, where the prisoners can be set free, where the sick can be healed, where miracles do happen. And they happen because this is what the Bible says Jesus did for us. He took them upon himself that we might have peace. We say peace every week. Shalom in Hebrew. 
it doesn't mean that you just have these like tingly little quiet, uh, no problem moments. Peace means a whole lot of stuff. It means healing, physical, and emotional. It means prosperity of life. It means nothing missing, nothing broken, your well-being, body, soul, and spirit. It's a huge word. Um, on my office, there's a sign that has shalom and has all these different meanings of shalom on my, on my entrance into my office if you want to see some more meanings there. So all of that was given to us because Jesus took all of the opposites upon himself. The, there's one verse, I don't remember where it is, that Jesus wasn't even recognizable as a human. He was suffering so much. He was double punished. I just read this in a book we were studying. He was beaten. Uh, you know, you guys remember he was beaten and flogged and all that stuff. And uh, the, by Roman law, actually, they would never beat someone and then crucify them because the beating was enough. And so he was double punished. He took all those beatings and stripes upon his back for all of our sicknesses, all of our diseases, all of our griefs, all of our sorrows, all of our mental and emotional and physical ailments. He took all of that there. And then on the cross, he paid for all of our sin, our iniquity, our transgressions, our rebellion, our attitude. And his blood dripped to pay the penalty of sin. But before that, he paid for the effects of sin on your life. Wow. So I gain access to all that when I got saved, when I came under the blood of Jesus. I gained access to freedom and healing and wholeness and restoration. And so have you. That's why this is a big deal. Um, goes on to say that in Matthew, Matthew's writing this, Chapter 8, verses 16 to 17. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, to Jesus. So we have demon-possessed people. And he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. So we have spiritual deliverance. We have physical healing taking place. And it says here, now Matthew is going to give a commentary. He's going to actually just make a note here. And he says this. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 53 verse uh, I think it's 5. He or, or four, 4. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. What's super cool about this is that we're not just taking what Isaiah had to say and trying to apply it to Jesus, we're also looking at Matthew telling us through the Spirit of God that when Isaiah said that, he's talking about Jesus, and Jesus just did that. Do you see? He just set the captives free, and he just healed the sick because this is what's going on over here in Isaiah. Isn't that awesome? For me, as a kind of, a, a kind of like an uh, analytical person, for me, that seals the deal right there. I'm like, oh, man, yeah. That's all for me. That's all for you. There is healing. There's deliverance. There's freedom in Jesus. Uh, we're going to close with that. Let me just read the others. Uh, number six, I put down, I begin a process of deliverance from the devil's lies. I can have a renewed mind. I can be transformed now that I'm saved. And how many of you know one of the things that didn't happen when we get saved is that the devil stopped lying to us? That didn't happen. The devil still lies. And he still lies to us to get us off track so that we can't be effective uh, as children of God. The, no the seventh one, I enter eternal life because death is defeated and just as Christ was resurrected, I will be resurrected too. And at the moment that I, I gave my life to Jesus, and the moment you got saved, at that moment, you entered eternal life. It's already happening. It's happening. Eternal life doesn't start when you die. Eternal life starts the moment you come alive. Your spirit is born again at that second. You are never going to die. 
Say, but pastor, I see you doing funerals all the time. That's not death for a Christian. That's not, that's not death because our, we are a spirit. We have a body. We'll get a new body. But we are a spirit, and your spirit was born again, and you are alive. Eternal life is in you. Jesus put it this way. I love this because it's from Jesus. I love it when I can find a verse that Jesus is talking, and he's saying this is what it is, okay? There's no interpretation needed. Jesus is talking. Jesus says, I, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Come on. Yeah, you crossed the line this time. <laughs> and that's a good thing. Number eight, I have authority over the devil and the kingdom of darkness because I got saved. I can live in victory. I can learn how to live in victory. I can learn how to live Outside, you know, over, above the circumstances and, and the kingdom of darkness. Number nine, I'm a new creation. You're a new creation. Last two weeks we had a couple statutes up here. One was a, a log and one was Clarice the bear. And uh, we're a new creation. And it's just being revealed more and more and more as we cooperate with God and we learn his word and we listen to his spirit. More and more of the rough stuff is being chiseled away and what's been there all along is being revealed. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm a new creation. You're a new creation. We have a new identity. Our identity is no longer ego. Our identity is Christ. And I love this verse. I've been talking about it a little bit. Um, but it says here in 1 John 4, 17, at the end of this verse, um, in the NASB, it says, As he is, as Jesus is, so also are we in this world. Whatever you see, the condition of Jesus right now, you are now looking at yourself. Jesus is above, you're above. Jesus is healthy, you're healthy. You see what I'm saying? Start thinking about that. That'll blow your mind. That's who you are now. That is who you are. Number 10, all of heaven celebrated with me when I got saved. How about you? Heaven threw a party. When you got saved, all of heaven rejoiced. That's pretty awesome. I am eternally loved by God. It's just like that father and the prodigal son. You know, uh, as the son came home, the father didn't even hesitate. He's like, get the fattened calf, get the robes, get the sandals, get the ring. Let's go. Let's have a party. And let's celebrate because my son was dead, but now he's alive. My daughter was dead, but now she's alive. And all of heaven celebrated since you came to know him. So this is our salvation. But one of the other things that did not happen necessarily when you were saved was that you were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at that. That's what this series is about. If all these things happen, that's awesome, and we need to start to realize that's who we are now. But there's some things that didn't happen, like your mind wasn't t totally uh, regenerated. Uh, the devil hasn't stopped lying to you, uh, and you need some power. You need some power. So we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, why the Holy Spirit is here, and why God has given of himself, his spirit, to fill you. Why do we need that, and what is it for? If we got all these other things in salvation, why do we need the Holy Spirit? And uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about, and we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of God. Amen? We are going to be filled. Now, we've been talking about that a little bit, kind of like the wind. Dr. Larry's been talking about how the wind can fill a sail, or you can have a cup or a jar or something being filled to the top and overflowing. Whatever analogy works best for you, that is to be what you're experiencing in your life, a, a filling and empowering and overflowing, and, and it's filling your needs, but it's overflowing to meet the needs of those around us. It is a life of power. And when you look at Christianity as a whole, across this nation, across our world, the churches that are shrinking and dying are the churches who are not embracing the Holy Spirit. Because this world needs a real answer to their real problems. And God is a real answer. And his power is mighty and all-powerful. But we need to be a church that is 
filled with his spirit, filled with his power, and, and that we have something that the world really does need. Do you see what I'm saying? The world doesn't need more religion. doesn't need good preaching. It needs the Holy Spirit, the power of God. And that's who we are. That's who we are. All right, let's stand together. I'm going to pray for you. And this morning, um, as a worship team, you guys got a song to, to sing? What song are you guys singing? Number one. What's that one? The freedom? Okay. Uh, what I'd like to do is respond in prayer to the message. And that is healing and freedom. Not that it's just always super simple and, and just, just a flash in the pan. There is a process God wants to do in our lives. But sometimes he just does things too. You know what I mean? And this morning I want to pray for anyone here who's sick, uh, in their bodies, someone who's suffering, uh, in their emotions, in their mental, whatever. I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray that Isaiah 53, chapter 53, verse 4, that promise would come upon you and that you would experience his peace instead of the disease, instead of the anguish, instead of the grief, instead of the sickness, instead of uh, what's ailing you. The Bible says he bore our sicknesses, our illnesses, our diseases, our pains, our sufferings, and then gave us his peace, his wholeness, his fullness, his healing, his empowerment. That's what the Bible says. Matthew confirmed it. He said, this all, all this stuff was done because of what Isaiah said was going to happen when this guy showed up, and he showed up. And he's still the same today as he was back then. The Bible says he doesn't change. God doesn't change. You can count on him. So this morning, I just want to pray for you and believe uh, for a healing and a deliverance and exchange of that stuff for God's peace. Okay, would you come forward this morning? I'm just going to pray for you right down here as we sing this song of worship. Thank you, Lord. Just is rising and breathing life into.